and welcome to Art Waves, a podcast about arts and culture in small rural towns. My name is Marian Myers, and I'm curious to learn more about the arts and the impact they have on my small town of Port Perry in the rural township of Skugog, Ontario, in the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of Skugog Island. I've discovered a wide variety of passionate people creating, coaching, and connecting in my community. Today, we're talking to Michael Sayers, who is a member of the theater community in Durham and the administrator at the Town Hall Theater here in Port Perry. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much, Miriam. It's uh, it's delightful to be here, and I'm, I'm honored that you uh, asked me to participate today, so thanks. Well, yeah, we're trying to reach out to a really um, wide variety of people in, in arts and culture, and of course, um, talking to somebody who is um, a member of the theater community in Durham, perfect. You know, how great is that? Yeah. And you're always a pleasure to talk to. Oh, too, thank right? you. That's very right. kind. Yeah. So, Michael, how did you get into the theater scene in Port Perry? Well, so the theater scene in Port Perry, when we first moved here, now 29 years ago, uh, we actually didn't know anybody. And, uh, and it was a move that was born out of necessity. We were living in Toronto at the, at the kind of most depressed time in real estate, and we had a house, and suddenly, you know, we had a third child, and we were trying to figure out uh, how we were going to manage that. And what we realized was it, it was too expensive to live in the city and we needed to, to find a place outside of the city. And somebody suggested we investigate Port Perry, that they had really excellent schools and it had a good or, or, or an interesting kind of, it, it was just far away that you could still get into the city if you wanted to and, and a lot of logistical things that were really in its favor. Um, so we did look into it and, uh, and fell in love with the town and we so we moved out here but i thought you know trying to trying to uh create a social network um from scratch basically i thought well uh i've always been involved in the theater on some level and uh and i just thought well there was a class being offered by uh by one of the local uh one of the local directors and uh and i thought oh well, that's perfect timing so i took the class and uh and i loved it i i loved it i loved the people that i met there they were quirky and interesting and funny and uh and i had this kind of immediate connection now to the theater community here in port perry which was really terrific so it turns out you know they were looking for somebody to play a small part in an upcoming production and would I be interested and and I said yes and and that was that was how it all started mm-hmm. and then you got your kids into it too when they grew up they were also corralled into yeah well I, you know you're always hoping that it was kind of through inspiration there might have been a little bit of nudging in that direction you know but uh uh, I, I think all of the kids, I, I'm pretty sure we've done, we've been in a production with all of the kids at some point, which is great. There's, you know, it's, it's really a lot of fun to be in a theater production with your, 
with your family and with your children, especially. I think it really creates, you know, you know where they are mm -hmm. <laughs> during mm -hmm. rehearsals and uh, all of that sort of thing. But uh, but yeah, I think it uh, it had an influence on uh, on a lot of other things. You know, my daughter was uh, was telling me not very long ago that she really appreciated participating in the local theater scene because it really gave her confidence in terms of presenting now that she's you know out in the world and needs to uh needs to impress people you know and and get her opinion across or, or get her knowledge across and she said like it just really helped me understand how to get people's attention and how to articulate my ideas and that sort of thing so so you know i'm really grateful to see that playing out in their lives still and and the influence that it had on them yeah, you give a very good example of being involved in the arts at an early age without necessarily saying, oh, that's what I'm going to do for my career. I'm going to become an actor. Right. It, 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 you build skills and you use them in other areas, too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what keeps you involved now, Michael? I, I think what keeps me involved is that you never stop learning. You never stop learning. Uh, you know, there are always, you're always developing your craft. You're always developing new skills. You're, you're always learning from other people. You're always seeing new things. And I think the applications in real life are, are tremendous. I think it's, I think it. Are uh, you saying theater isn't real life, Michael? Well, <laughs> I'm saying, yes, it's, it's life, but it's, it's kind of like cherry picked life. So it's, uh, it's it's about demonstrating those really intense moments of being alive that we can all relate to, but don't necessarily, you know, there's a reason why there are people up on stage and there's an audience, right? And, and it, we don't all want to overshare all the time. Actors do, but that's a different story. You know? that's, that's, that's another podcast. But, um, uh, you know, I, I think that I really appreciate what it's done for just for me in terms of of expanding my sense of empathy for other people, for instance. And we certainly see the necessity for that these days, you know, with uh, with with such polarized opinions over public policy and uh, and politics and what's going on. So um, so I'm really grateful for what it's done. And and I find investigating, you know, what motivates people to do the things that they do is just utterly fascinating. And I'll never run out of stuff to learn. So, so I think that's what keeps me involved in theater, certainly. And you've picked up other um, skills specific that are not um, acting, but you've done some directing, some sound design. Yeah. Tell us a yeah. bit about doing that. Well, um, the sound design sort of came first, uh, I was working at Apple uh, since 1987, and uh, and Apple was a bit of a pioneer in things like digital sound recording and using the computer as a controller for MIDI devices, and that really intrigued me. I uh, I didn't have a lot of musical background, but I did have young children who were learning to play musical instruments, so I was involved in their kind of education a lot. So I picked up a lot through that and also my own interest in, uh, in, you know, trying to play the guitar, however, you know, badly I still play the guitar, but nonetheless, uh, I was really intrigued in terms of using the computer as a device, uh, 
to, especially for digital recording, because once you had it digitally recorded, you could manipulate it in ways that were challenging and difficult to do uh, in the analog world or how things used to be done. Like, you know, you could do things that, that didn't involve splicing tape together and, and making reels on a, on a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder wobble and all of that sort of thing. You could, you could apply those filters in, in the digital realm and then you could undo it, which was the big advantage, right? Because you could, so it, it allowed you- You could chop something up and make a bunch of mistakes, but then you could go back. Exactly. And it was, it was the ability to make mistakes that I think is, is huge, right? So, uh, because that's how you learn. You learn by making mistakes and you learn by failing. So if you can embrace that, if you can just, uh, the, the computer really opened up a lot of, a lot of opportunity, especially in, in sound crafting. So um, there weren't a lot of people at Apple at the time who were interested in doing that sort of thing. So it gave me a bit of a niche as well, both professionally, but also in the theater. So I now had the ability to create sound effects and to play them back on cue, you know, with, with a precision that didn't exist before or that was difficult to manage. We were still using, at best, you know, we were using CDs and... Uh, and we all know like CDs are kind of notoriously challenging to get to play right on cue, right? Especially if it's, if it's a certain spot in the, in the CD that you're trying to play. So, so all of that was great. And I, it really allowed me again to flourish in that area because I got to practice and I was invested and I really wanted to learn about this. So, so, and, and it made me a little bit more valuable to, to a theater group, you know, because I, I had these skills that, uh, that were new at the time. So that was really exciting. And, and then, then you've done directing too. Then I, I did directing. So that came about um, when I met and fell in love with and subsequently married uh, my wife, Annette. Uh, Annette has been a drama teacher in the Durham board for, you know, for 30 years and recently retired. But, uh, but what was, a big part of our relationship was that Annette had that formal drama education that I was lacking. So, uh, uh, and Annette, uh, so not only does she have that, that formal drama education, but also she has outstanding teacher skills. And, uh, and I, I remember one of the first shows that we did, Annette was going to direct it. And I had, I'd been an actor previously with Annette in some shows before that. So I saw her as an actor and what I saw was her dedication to, uh, to her craft and, and the devotion that she had to, uh, to working out something from an acting point of view, but I didn't know anything about her as a director. And so, uh, I, I was amazed and really, really impressed by her ability to, to take charge of the room immediately and have people working on stuff without it feeling like like an imposition without it feeling like it's being you know imposed on you uh, constantly working with people as opposed to you know telling people what to do the kind of quintessential how you imagine the director to be shouting and telling people where to go and all of that stuff that that wasn't what Annette was doing she was you know she was getting what she wanted out of people, but it was all always by kind of inspiring them to step up to a bar that maybe they they hadn't, they hadn't reached for. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, 
so I was hugely impressed with that. And, and I brought this fascination, uh, this kind of fascination with psychology that Annette hadn't really embraced before. So, so we were always joking that we, uh, that between the two of us, there's like a whole director there, you know, that, uh, um, <laughs> but, but we were definitely an example of, of the sum being greater than the number of the parts. It was one of those situations. Whenever we work on something together, first of all, we love working together and the result is always bigger and better than what either one of us kind of imagined it might be going into the project. So that's always so thrilling, right? Because there's this whole realm of discovery as you're proceeding through this, this kind of, you know, creative endeavor. So now, um, you would call the groups that you've been working with in, uh, in Port Perry, it's with a group called the Borellians. Right. So just tell us just a, a little bit about the Borellians, just, just a bit about what that so, um, group is. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of the history of the Borellians. I'm going to tell you that it's not, uh, that it's not precise. So the exact year that the Borellians came into being and all of that stuff, I'm a little fuzzy on, but I do know that it's, uh, it's the 50th anniversary. So the Borellians have been around since the 1970s, you know, um, early to mid 1970s. Uh, and they came about as a consequence of, uh, of the whole sort of acquisition of, of the town hall and the conversion of it from, uh, from uh, whatever it is that was going on in the town hall at the time to being a theater again. So um, it, maybe it was a garment factory in was, the last, that's right. the last version and then, of it. And then I think it became, uh, yes, the last iteration of what it, of what it was being used for was, uh, was as a ladies undergarment factory. And then I think it was used for mostly for storage by the township. So, uh, um, and, and there was some talk about maybe demolishing the building, tearing it down because the, you know, it was obviously it's in a prime area and, uh, and the building was a challenge to maintain. It's an old building. And, uh, so I think there were, there was a group of intrepid, uh, people, mostly from the high school who were thinking of forming a, a theater group at the time. And, uh, and saw this opportunity to make a deal with the township and they would take over looking after the building and uh and the township agreed so uh so that was the the beginnings of the borellians and the borellians are are an integral part now of the town hall theater and uh our uh our long-standing community theater group so yeah so it's a it's an amateur community theater group that's right and then there's a group that actually um manages the the town hall theater that's right it's the property still owned by the township so this is probably pretty typical of what's happened in other small towns yeah yeah i i hear i hear similar stories from a lot of other small towns there was a gentleman actually from bracebridge who was passing through because he's got family in uh in oshawa he says i've gone through this town countless countless times you know in the course of my life and i passed this building and this is like one of those touchstones i always you know i recognize it i've never stopped in and i thought this time i'm going to and he you know he came in and i gave him a bit of a tour he's managing the opera house in Bra in bracebridge 
And it's a very similar kind of uh, scenario, except that there's, like Uxbridge, for instance, is still owned and run by the township. So, uh, so we're fortunate that we have a, a little bit of independence. And, uh, and yes, you're right, there's a separate board now that's, that's uh, not part of the Borellians, but a separate board that just manages the town hall. The facility itself. Affairs, yeah. 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 Um, so it, 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 it became, it, its life originally was that it was a town hall right. for what was then called Reach Township, That's I believe, right? right? Yeah. And so um, your example of somebody driving through, you, you notice it because it's right on the four corners, kind of in the core of the town. That's right. Lovely, yeah. lovely old building. Yeah. So tell us about the Ontario Trillium Foundation grant the Town Hall Theatre received? Okay, so there are a, a couple of grants. The Trillium grant, we received we received a Trillium grant uh, a few years ago now that we used for uh, doing lighting uh, and uh, and it was substantial and we got to, you know, completely upgrade our, our lighting facilities. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that the grant you might be referring to is the ICIP grant, which is actually, uh, and so I'm not clear necessarily on its affiliation with the Trillium Foundation. It might be a separate grant. Oh, I thought, yeah, I and thought I think what you a, had was a grant that was um, going to allow you to do um, a marquee and the lounge and the kitchen. And I, maybe I'm. I'm wrong so, about who's funding it. Yeah, and again, this may be something that warrants more investigation, but I know that it's the uh, uh, the infrastructure part of the federal government that awarded us this grant. Okay. So oh, could so be FedDev then federal development. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there's a there's a federal component, a provincial component, oh, and yes. a municipal okay. component to the grant. Um, but it's substantial. It's for about five hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars. And it's going to allow us to make uh, a number of improvements to the building, you know, and, and everything from um, from more cosmetic improvements. So, for instance, our marquee needs some updating and some fixing up and that sort of thing. And uh, our patrons lounge could also, you know, stand a little gussying up, as they say. But it's also going to allow us to fix up and bring our kitchen up to code, for instance, so that we could use it. Um, it would give us the potential to, of course license uh, the patrons lounge and that sort of thing so that we could extend the services that we current currently offer people who want to rent the building. Um, we're looking at making improvements as well to the green room at the back where and the dressing rooms and that area. And then of course, one of the big things is that we currently have a lift that allows us to get patrons from the patron lounge downstairs to the stage area and that's all and it's it's uh notorious you know it has a reputation now people have gotten stuck in it yes we we, we had the <laughs> we had the drew hayden taylor in conversation with that's carrie right. nicholson and yeah. we and i refused to run the lift and right. uh, so one of the young volunteers said she was game for it and yeah, That's she right. got stuck in uh, it with with a patron who needed to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit. It, it can be harrowing. I mean, we do have it regularly maintained, etc. But 
but it's there's it's tricks to running now. it. There that's what it is. It. There's tricks and to running it, and it requires an operator, which oh, is operating. Yeah, uh, one of the challenges too. So we're always, you know, as part of our volunteer front of host staff, we're always looking for somebody, maybe somebody new who hasn't been introduced to the lift yet to uh, <laughs> take it on. To take it on. So. Um, but what we will be getting is a new elevator and uh, the elevator will be substantial enough that we'll be able to, uh, uh, one of the most important aspects of it is that we will be able to get um, uh, people with mobility challenges, performers with mobility challenges up to the from stage. the green room yeah. up to the stage. Yeah, not just right now it kind of comes in so that it's, you can be a patron and get in. That's right. With mobility so it takes issues, you it takes but... you to the floor level of the theater, but it doesn't get you up onto the stage, and that's a huge hurdle for somebody who does have mobility challenges. Um, um, I, I mentioned Annette earlier, but uh, just before the pandemic, we were doing a show, and Annette unfortunately broke her ankle two weeks before opening, and Annette had you know a huge part in this play, and we're trying to calculate like. Is this going to be possible? Is she still going to be able to do this show? And one of our major challenges, of course, was getting Annette onto the stage with a broken leg, right? Because, and once she's up there, it's like, okay, you're there you stay are here <laughs> yes, yeah. for the entire, you know, for the, for the entire performance, because we can't, you know, we can't be getting her back downstairs after that. So, so having a lift and, and of course, I know that people who move, uh, especially bands who move up heavy equipment to the stage, yeah, the load-in was really, always horrible really there. Appreciate yeah. Yeah. having uh, an elevator, a proper elevator that's substantial enough to get, you know, set pieces and equipment up to stage level without uh, without the requirement of having you know an operator, somebody there who can who, you know, is there just to press the button and hold the key, you know, long and take up room exactly. in the lift at the yeah. same time, right? Another yeah. body in the lift where a stack of amplifiers could have That's been right. piled is uh, yeah. a bit of a pain. So too. we're incredibly excited about that, you know, about that opportunity. That's going to make a huge difference to, uh, to the functioning of the theater. So, yeah. Now dis describe the impact that you think the theater and having uh, theater companies within town because there's also um, an a organization that does musical theater and then right. you know there are uh, presenters that put on music concerts and so on so what impact do you think uh, having the theater in a small rural community is what's that like can you describe it yeah I I think one of them well, some of the more substantial impacts are that as part of the mandate or the mission statement of the town hall theater, they also have an education component to that mission statement. So their mission is to maintain the building. Of course, we need to keep the building running and standing and in good working order and all of that. But they also have uh, they've given themselves the mandate to uh, to encourage uh, the to encourage education in the performing arts to our community. So that's, you know, that's a huge impact on us. So we have uh, at least three local theater companies that all use the Town Hall Theater on a regular basis. Um, we have the Borellians and Scugog Choral Society who present musicals twice a year. And, uh, and, and they've been around, I think, just about as long as uh, as the Borellians have as well. 
We have Theater on the Ridge, who's come in in the last uh, several years, pre-pandemic, of course, but uh, and and run you know a really terrific and varied summer program. So, so it's introducing the community to a wide range of theater performances and uh, and styles. But it's also getting the community involved in those productions because all of those those theater companies use mostly local talent, right? So it's an opportunity for people in our community to get up on stage and perform. And and of course, all of the people behind the scenes as well. I mean, there's there's nothing like being involved in a theater production uh, to to bring people close together. You know, it, I can't tell you the number of people, but it's countless. The number of people who get involved for the first time and go, oh my God, I, you know, I just made my best friends mm-hmm. in this production. And, uh, and it's really kind of intoxicating how fast and, uh, and furious that happens, right? But you, you become really, really close to a lot of people quickly in a theater and, and multi-generational because exactly. depending on the plays that you put on, yeah. you talked about your, your kids performing yeah. at the same time that That's you right. were, it ends up being multi-generational because of the types of plays that you choose because you know you have some people that you're training and developing and that are coming along. Right. And, 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 the, and that's another really great aspect of the whole thing is, is the mentorship that happens, right? Is that there are, uh, that there's such a vast uh, array of experience and there's the opportunity to pass that along to uh, people with less experience or young or you know younger generations and uh, and that's gold that's really yeah. gold and it becomes a central place for people in the community to simply come and be entertained so so on top of the theater productions that we have being presented throughout the year um, there are also right now uh, we have a lot of tribute bands that come in and perform. So, so for the older generations, you know, they love it, right? They get to see people playing the music of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and uh, and you know all of the music of the fifties and sixties and seventies that they kind of grew up with and and uh, um, so there's that um, and there are. You know, I think there are opportunities as well that uh, that we continually investigate to to bring more people into the theater. So, um, so I'm excited about that. Like, there's you know always something to look forward to, and I think our our biggest challenge really is just getting the word out. So I think uh, you know, interestingly, back when we first moved here, I mean, you could pick up the local paper and find out everything that was going on in town. And it's, it's more of a challenge now to reach everybody in town, right? So, um, so I think like, like a lot of, of uh, cultural organizations where we're sort of confronting that and struggling a little bit with that in terms of how do we get the word out about what's happening at the town hall. And so, you know, we've got the website and we've got social media going on and we, uh, um, but it's still, it's still a little tricky. You know, I think we're mm-hmm. still kind of in this early stages of, of the impact that things like social media and the internet are having on, on organizations like ours. And it requires a, a response that, that is ongoing, right? We need to constantly challenge ourselves to, 
to stay on top of that sort of thing. So, yeah. And um, what what do you do as a job as an administrator there? What kind of things does that involve? Well, it's a really good job for me. I I really like it because there's a little bit of everything. So, you know, uh, first and foremost, I'm I'm there at very specific hours to sell tickets. So there are, you know, we still have members of the community who are. Uh, Let's say internet challenged. Uh, well, you could, well, th- there's that, but also that they just like the face-to-face interaction and yeah. they, they like having a ticket in their hand and they still, so it, it's a little bit of a, a yes, the internet challenge thing, but also a little bit of a nod to tradition and a little bit of a nod to what, you know, what they feel comfortable with. And so, let's go say hello to Michael while we're buying our tickets. Maybe there's some of that. You know, I hope there is. That's uh, because I always really appreciate when people do come in and 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 uh, and interact. You know, and I I get to hear a little bit about what they're interested in and what they like. And uh, and you know, it's an opportunity for them to to do more than just buy a ticket. You know, online in a kind of a faceless way, right? So. Uh, uh, so I always appreciate that kind of interaction with our patrons. It's always nice to learn what it is that they're interested in coming in to see, but maybe, you know, a, an opportunity to, to learn a little bit more about what they, what we're not doing that maybe mm-hmm. they'd like to see or mm-hmm. get some feedback. So, um, so first and foremost, you know, I'm there to sell tickets and, uh, but I also, I also do up contracts for people who are looking to rent theater. I give tours i show people around i uh i'm there to manage a little bit of the maintenance you know to make sure that that uh you know the sprinkler system is kept maintained and our fire system and the elevator is looked at and all of that sort of thing as well and uh and you know i do reports for the board obviously and and keep them informed uh on on just the day-to-day running of of the of the theater so Mm -hmm. yeah and you that role probably exists in s- small theaters everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So what's next for you, Michael Sayers? What what are you what are you working on right now? Well, that's a very interesting question. Um I think what I am the things that I am working on. So right now I am uh I'm working as a I'm also working as a program coordinator for Theatre on the Ridge um, for uh, connecting seniors post-pandemic. So we've got a program, uh, Theatre on the Ridge, Carrie Nicholson got some funding to run a program um, to sort of help seniors reintroduce to the community um, through theatre activities. So we're at the very early stages. We're just trying to work out what that's going to look like, um, but the theater, you know, the program is going to run for the year, and uh, and we're trying to design activities and programs where uh, nobody has to make a big commitment, and you certainly don't need any theater experience uh, to participate in the program, but um, but obviously, in um, some kind of association or interest in the theater would be what's going to spawn you to to participate. Um, uh, but we are uh, hoping to get uh, seniors out to see some shows, but then also participate in talks, maybe pre and post, so that we can uh, 
do a little bit of education, but also uh, help people grow as as theater audience members, right? So it's like anything, the more you know about something, I think the deeper your appreciation is for for what you're witnessing or viewing or participating in. So we're Big reason to... why a company like National Ballet does their ballet talks before exactly. a ballet right. is there's a lot to understand about the music, about the choreographer, about the... Um, the theme, the story that's, that's being right. told, and and you're being told and talked to by an expert. Yeah, you know, yeah. S- somebody who performed in Swan Lake or right. yeah, whatever it, yeah. it is. And I've always found those talks fascinating. Yeah, yeah, and and they're fascinating just for the detail, um, but I think they do also they deepen your appreciation for what you then see moving forward. Right, so. So uh, future productions, you're going there with a, with a greater understanding and appreciation and knowledge of, of the work that has gone into the production. But then also a social outlet for those seniors. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's just an example. Other examples might include, well, you know, are you interested in learning uh, some of the processes that actors go through uh, you know, to, um, uh, to learn their lines or to uh, engage in the, you know some of the more physical aspects of theater or that kind of thing and uh, and potentially run you know uh, a, a workshop that might be for an afternoon or a morning or something like that and uh, and uh, I was thinking that mask making for instance might be really interesting right and um, so well there's lots of aspects of theater that isn't just getting on the stage that's too right. so yeah. yeah so we're we're looking at all of the aspects of of theater and how we could make that uh, appealing and and just as a kind of as a medium to help seniors uh, reintroduce themselves to the community and and uh, to each other right so so I'm doing that that's really exciting I'm excited about that because I really I really do think that um, that working in the theater helps keep you mentally acute and and uh, uh, sharpen you, you know, intellectually. And and we're all looking for that as we get older, right? I think we're all concerned about about effects of aging on our on our mental faculties and that sort of thing. And I think theater is a great way to uh, to sort of fend off, delay, you know, um, mitigate those those sorts of issues. So um, so there's that. There's the ongoing exploration that I talked about earlier of just, you know, of always looking at what motivates people to do the things that they do and how those things translate into developing a character for the stage and being involved in that. So uh, a lot of theater groups, um, as a way of reintroducing theater into the community, um, but without the overwhelming commitment that a, a full scale production has, is a lot of companies are doing theater readings right now, so mm-hmm. play readings. And, uh, and Annette and I have participated in some of those recently, and that's just so fun, right? It's uh, uh, for a performer as, as well as an audience member because, um, because it's, it's sort of like a radio play. And we all know how massively popular radio plays were back in the 40s and 50s and 30s. And... Uh, um, because you can really generate so much, uh, so much of what the theater brings. You can do such great storytelling just with sound and just with voices. And uh, and for a performer, you know, 
not having to memorize all those lines is is a pretty sweet right now. So, yeah, yeah, and so not having way. to manage the movement around the stage at exactly. the same time yeah. and all of those things, and yet it's still really quite interesting to the audience. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I think Carrie Nicholson at Theater on the Ridge has been doing those readings for quite a number of years. That's right. Yeah. And thankfully, I'm trying to build an audience around it because people didn't really understand what it what it was they mm -hmm. were participating in or watching. Yeah. And uh, yet then along came the pandemic and it was an awesome way because these actors couldn't move around stage, couldn't get closer yeah. than six feet. That's right. And so it meant really small audiences and outside performances, but they were readings and yeah. it's a very uh, different aspect of theater. And it's also a little bit of that backdoor view in, of course, because actors rehearse around a table reading yeah. at, at, at numerous points in the production. Right, right. And, the, and it also ties into the whole seniors program as well, because there's a, there's a whole stream of, of uh, doing theater with seniors that involves just that um, because of the greater mobility challenges that a lot of seniors experience and that sort of thing, but still that desire to want to participate. Um, so, so it's even more popular uh, with, with, with older, that age group. Yeah, that's right. With older performers. And, and it's something that's easy to get into, right? It doesn't matter that you don't have any theater experience or whatever. You know, if you like reading out loud, here's an opportunity, right, to participate in a production. And it and it comes with all of those benefits that I talked about earlier about how close you become with a lot of other people and and you know the the intimacy that it promotes and the empathy that it uh, that it also promotes. Um, all of those benefits are realized in something like like readers theater, right? Which is uh, you know, and and you can still do costumes and stuff like that. So it's all really up to you as to how how much you want to get into it, or if you just want to sit down in a chair and read as a character. So, uh, so that offers a lot of opportunity as well to, uh, to again, participate through this medium of theater. So, so yeah, that's exciting. And I, I guess once you've got this going, um, if we've got people that are local to Skewgog listening, we can tell them that, uh, I guess it will be the theateronthebridge.ca website that will have all the information about it once That's it gets right. rolling. Okay. Yeah, we do have a webpage up there now, so they can go to Theater on the Ridge, or, uh, yes, it's Theater 3x60, I think still, theater3x60.ca, or, no, it is Theater on theater the Ridge, on the Ridge. You're right, yeah. theateronthebridge.ca. And uh, uh, we do have a webpage up there now. There is uh, a sign up for a newsletter, so if they want to just oh, drop signing in up there. for the newsletter is the best thing. That's yeah. why I tell people about Skugog Arts too. Exactly. It's always the best thing. Sign up for the newsletter. We we yeah. don't get around to sending them out all that often, so don't worry. You're not going to get a daily right. newsletter because we can't produce yeah. them. Uh, but, but but it just creates it. that opportunity to connect. Like I was saying earlier, that's that's challenging in this new in this new world of how do you reach people, right? How do you reach your audience? And so. Uh, uh, so we're we're trying to give people a, a direct way to get in touch with us, and they can just give us their email address, and we'll we'll then have a, a way to get back and forth. And uh, and if they have suggestions about what it is that they would like to do, you know, oh, we would okay. love to hear from them. So yeah, um, so it's a two way it's a two way street. Right? So you're building the program now. 
there isn't a set date for it to launch, is there? That's right. And, and we don't really have a, a set program yet. So we are currently uh, uh, getting a steering committee together. Okay. And, um, and we're going to look to them for some guidance about around the activities. We have, we have some activities that are already part of the Theatre on the Ridge repertoire. So we're going to leverage those. But we're also looking to develop new programs. And again, we want to keep it... Uh, we want to keep it so that there isn't a big commitment. So there probably won't be a lot of sort of eight week courses that you have to sign up for and stick with for, you know, for eight weeks, once a week, every, you know, every week. Um, it'll be more of a, not a drop in sort of thing, but a thing that you can. A pick and pack. That's kind right. Of you can just kind of drop pick. in, just decide, oh, you know what? That sounds really interesting. I think I'll try that out one day. And we might have it running over eight weeks so that if people love it and want to come back and do it again, they can come back and do it again. But, you know, appreciating that there might be new people the next time, too. So um, it'll be a different experience. That's so. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. I, I'm really, really stoked. As yeah. They say. So oh, cool. It's good. So thanks, Michael Sayers, for, you know, helping us understand the theater scene yeah. in a small rural town. Well, it was a pleasure, Marion, honestly. Thank, Thank you. you. And to our audience, Chi Miigwech, for spending time with us today. Thanks to The Wanted for their song, Before the Fall, and the Ontario Trillium Foundation for the grant that got this done. Visit scugogarts.ca to get the scoop on what we're up to. And hit subscribe to join us every Tuesday for an episode of Art Waves. Art Waves.